the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, I guess by now, most of you ladies have your Christmas shopping done. I see some heads nodding. Us guys, we're thinking about getting to that here pretty soon. We're going to start ours any day now. You see, I think guys are a lot smarter. We figured it out. uh, Walgreens stays open 24-7. On Christmas Eve, we're good. We'll run out and make our shopping trip, and we'll be through for the year. (laughs) I remember a couple of years back, Angie was on me about putting some decorations around the house. You know, how you put lights out on the house and around the bushes or whatever. And I hadn't done it in a few years. And she said, all the neighbors got lights. You know, we used to do it. Why don't you? I bought a whole sack full of lights at a garage sale this summer. There ain't no excuse why we can't put them up. I was trying to think of every excuse I could why I didn't want to put them lights up. But I couldn't think of anything good. Angie's always outdone me when it comes to arguing. So I said, okay, I'll see what I can do. And she left that afternoon to go somewhere. I don't remember where. And since she was gone, I said, I got a little time on my hands. I went out there and found that sack. It was a big old plastic sack, you know, and it was a ball of lights on the inside. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, we'll just roll that booger out. And it should come right on loose, you know. And most of you know that never happens. I rolled it and it went right there. So I started trying to unwind it. And the more I unwound, the tangled it got. More tangled it got. Is that a good terminology? It got worser and worser. You know, I mean, it was bad. And I'm looking at that thing and I'm thinking, will scissors help? I don't know. Some shears? I don't, I don't know how to do this. And as men often do when they get frustrated, I took that whole ball And I went outside and I slapped it down on the first bush outside and plugged her in. (laughs) And I walked in the house. (laughs) Decorated the house. (laughs) Put every one of those lights out. (laughs) Now, which one of y'all knows what Angie said to me when she got home? I'll tell you a little bit later what she said. We got to get to our message. I may not always be the brightest bulb on the tree, okay? (laughs) But even so, I'm going to tell you some very important things today. It's going to make me seem smart, but it ain't because of me. I'm going to tell you today before you leave, if you don't fall asleep on me, pay attention. I'm going to tell you the meaning of life. You're thinking, yeah, right. What I got myself into? I come to this little church in the back of nowhere. They ain't even smart enough to put a sign out on Goodman. I had to use a GPS to find this place, and he's going to tell me the meaning of life. You know, <laughs> this guy ain't got a degree or nothing. <laughs> he's going to, I mean, people been researching this for the ages. 
trying to find the, the must ballyhooed meaning of life. And I come to one service here, and this guy's going to tell it to me. Yep. <laughs> I absolutely am. And I'm not only going to do that, you're going to get two for one. Because today, along with giving you the meaning of life, I'm going to tell you the most important question ever asked and give you the right answer. Some of y'all are giggling. I'm telling you the truth. I'm going to tell you those two things. How many believe me? Because some of y'all say, oh, I don't believe one thing he says. I'm going to. In the meantime, let's turn to Luke chapter 2, Christmas story. God has a big plan for your life. But we get in there and we mess it up. <laughs> we get squirrely in our thinking. God tries to bring us back to reality. How many knows that God's reality is more real than your reality? We'd do well to listen to him. So we're, we're going to join the Christmas story here about the time where the, the angels have come down and to the shepherds in the pasture and told them that, the, that Jesus is about to be born. And they, they sing a song and everything and they celebrate out there in the pasture. And then after that, in verse 15, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Isn't that what you would want to do? And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And afterwards, once they had seen the Savior, they said, hey, we need to tell somebody. And so they did. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Say pondered. I'm titling today's message, Pondering Christmas, if you're filling those blanks out on your bulletins. Pondering Christmas. I looked up the word ponder, and it says to think about something carefully. Hmm. Especially before you reach a conclusion. To think about something carefully before you come to a conclusion. But, but Mary, I thought the angel explained in some detail what was about to transpire? Why is Mary pondering? <laughs> well, that's been nine months ago. And how many of you know that the way it transpired may not have been the exact same that Mary pictured it in her mind? <laughs> I'm sure she wasn't thinking, great, I'm going to you know, have God's son, but first I'm going to have to ride a donkey for nine, 90 miles pregnant. I'm going to get there, and they, there's no room for God's son on the earth at the end. Not the kind of way she pictures it. A royal birth in a manger. I imagine Mary scratching her head. That's what you do when this is the official sign for pondering. If you do sign language, <laughs> Mary's pondering this thing out. Maybe God has promised you something in the past. 
Or maybe you really trusted God and, and you, you saw things about God and you believed those. But because of God's timing and his methods, you found yourself pondering. Did he really say that? See, that's what they did in the garden, isn't it? Did God really say? You get to ponder it. Especially if you've never settled that most important question. Remember the one I'm going to answer for you today? You might be thinking, what is, what could, how could he even know what the most important question in all the world is? I know. I found it. It's in Mark chapter 8, verse 29. It's when Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Why do I say that's the most important question? Well, I'm going I'm to explain that to you. But I'm telling you, if you'll believe me for just a moment, that is the most important question ever asked. Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Not who does everybody else say. Not who does your mama say. Your daddy used to be a preacher. Who do you say that I am? And why are we celebrating Christmas anyway? I mean, that, that boils down to the same thing. Why are we celebrating Christmas? What is this about? Some of us say this is about exchanging gifts. Everybody wants to be Santa Claus until Black Friday comes and you max your credit cards out and you think, well, I'm, what am I doing? It couldn't be about it. That couldn't be all there is is exchanging gifts. I mean, we had our children up here did a play last Sunday. It was awesome. Let's give them a round of applause for that wonderful play. Good job, Misty and Denise. Where's Denise? She's in back. Faithful in the back, loving on them children back there. I'm telling you, they're teaching. Teaching. I don't. I should have told them the meaning of life before they went back there and talked. And they could have told the kids. But you, I'm sure you can do it after we leave. But they did this play. It was called. Uh, how the Grinch found Christ in Christmas. And you know, the Grinch didn't even want Christmas to happen. He was dead set against, he was going to try to destroy Christmas. Maybe you've got to that place in your life, you know, where Christmas is, oh, I, I hate Christmas, Angie. But even the Grinch figured out, he said in the play, what if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, is a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, a lot more. It's a lot more. It doesn't come with ribbons and bows and all those things. It doesn't come from a department store. The whole vibe around that very first Christmas should give us a clue. It was screaming, there's something more. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something more. There's something more in your life. There's something more for you in the future. There's something more. Christmas screams that there's something more. I mean, there's this moving star that was going through the sky. And there's these traveling wise men bringing gifts they don't even know where. I mean, there's things going on. The angels are out in the pasture singing joy to the world. And the air is thick. With expectation, glory. Man, something's going on. Something, something's going to be in that manger. 
don't, don't you miss life back when we had the expectation of like little children's? You remember when you couldn't wait to get up on Christmas morning? Well, they, they have it for one reason, but we, we should have it for another. We should have it for the truth. But what happened, man? We had a sense of wonder about Christmas. But we let the world taint the way we saw, saw Christmas. We, st- we was in one too many checkout lines at Walmart or something. And we just started pondering. Why don't Christmas seem special anymore like it did when I was little? People have been pondering since people have been born. Since God put people on the earth, they've been pondering. Adam and Eve was in the garden pondering. Did God really say? People pondering. All through the Bible, they were pondering this most important question of all times. Who is this Christ? Who is this Jesus? Some said he's, he's just a carpenter's son. Some said he, he's, he's a prophet. Or, or maybe he's John the Baptist, come back to life. All these religions out there, they can't deny his existence, can't deny his impact on the world, so they include him in their books. And they say, oh, he was a good man. But they, they deny who he really is. His own disciples, man, they were pondering. They were walking with him. They couldn't believe the things would happen. They were looking at themselves. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Pondering. Then one moment they're like, they're ready to leave with the rest of them because his sayings were hard. They didn't understand his timing and his, his ways, his methods. We get confused somewhere in, in all that mix. And we, I hope we don't become like the Pharisees. Some of them begin to say, he has a demon. That's how he does all that stuff. He's not from God. He's a blasphemer. He's a rebel. He's a glutton. And the worst one in their eyes that they could call him, he's a friend of sinners. Well, praise God, they got that one right. Hello, somebody say amen about that. They got one of them, right? He is a friend of sinners, and I thank him for that. But what are people saying today? Do people even care who he is today? You do. You came today. You cared, I know you care at least enough to come through those doors today. What are people saying today? Oh, he's a historical figure. He's a holy man of old. You know, I, he's a fairy tale. Some people think he's a joke. It's just real funny to make fun of him. And some people use him as a cuss word. We, society has deteriorated. They just say any manner of evil that they want to say about this. But it's so silly. We act so silly. Some of us as Christians act so silly. We lose sight of who he really is. Even the demons knew who he was. The funny thing is that the people are pondering and the demons are saying, Ah, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. You've come to torment us before the time. They understood who he was. They understood his power and his majesty. The demons they had no problem understanding. But the people, silly, pondering, pondering, pondering. It's a preponderance of pondering. <laughs> I'm just making up stuff now. Hold on. (laughs) But really, 
sometimes I wonder, are we just pondering because we want to act like we don't know? Sometimes we just want to act like he don't see. Why are we still pondering? The Father came down in a voice out of a cloud. A voice came out of a cloud from heaven, said, this is my beloved son. Identified him right there. In whom I am well pleased. Jesus. Now I will say he tried to to not come right out with it at first because if he would have, he would have never got any of his ministry done. So he tried to keep the, he told the demons to shut up. Hold on, I'm not ready to reveal it all yet. They're not ready to receive it. So he, he held it back. But towards the end, I mean, he was letting them have it. In John 14, 9, Jesus says, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? See, Philip had just said, Jesus, just show us the Father and then we'll believe. And Jesus is, Jesus is pondering. <laughs> Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And you still don't know who I am? I want you to listen to this. Jesus said, John 14, 9, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Do you want to know what God is like? You need not look any farther than Jesus. When you have seen Him, you have seen the Father in John 10.30. He said, the Father and I are one. Is, is, is He saying that... Is, is Jesus saying that He... He is. That's what he's saying. So when you see in the Quran and you see in all these other false books that he's just a good man, that he's a prophet even, they give him some credit, but they say, well, he's not God. You can dismiss them right off the bat. Everything that they stand for after that, you know is a lie. Because either he is who he says he is, and then that what we sang up here, he's for me, not against me. I am who he says I am. Well, he is who he says he is. Either he is who he says he is, or he's a crazy maniac that you got no business putting him in your book. There ain't no in between. Because the same man doesn't say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Unless it's true. Mm-mm-mm. You know, it's said that wise men still seek after him. And that's true. Back in the day, why don't we saddle up our camels today? Why don't we seek after who he really is? Stop all this pondering. I think there's a preponderance of evidence. Let's turn to Luke 2.25. I think you're probably already in Luke, right? We're going to examine someone who had the right attitude, who was ready. He wasn't pondering. 
He did his pondering early, made up his mind, and stuck with it. This is where most Christians should be, right here. All right, you ready? Luke 2.25. This is after Jesus was born. On the eighth day, I believe it was, they brought him to the temple to be dedicated. In verse 25, it says, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. I picture him as an old man because it says he's ready to die. He's, he's lived his life. But it says he was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now let's stop right there. He was righteous. That means he tried to live his life right. He was devout. To me, that means he takes his faith seriously. He's serious about what he says he believes. He's trying to live right, and he's trying to to take it seriously. And it says he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to return. He's looking for Jesus. And then if you go on to the next verse, it says, And the Holy Spirit was upon him. My friends, what a recipe. You're living right. You take your faith seriously. You're filled with the Holy Ghost and you're looking for Jesus. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then the rest of this passage starts giving us clues of who he's looking for. Who is this child? The Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple, so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now you can let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation. He was holding salvation. The salvation which you have prepared for All people, not just Israel, all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother. He gets a little serious. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Now, if you're filling out your sheets there, that line is there. As a result of Jesus, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be what? Revealed. So what am I saying? I'm saying your answer to this most important question, who do you say that I am, is revealing your heart. You see, Jesus demands a decision. Who do you say Jesus is demands a decision. You you can't say, well, I just don't want to make up my mind. I'm just putting it off. Well, you have decided. He's not important enough for you to decide. Jesus demands a decision, and it's the most important question that you will ever answer because, listen to this, pondering and pretending 
It just won't do on judgment day. Do I need to say that again? Or is that too painful? Pondering and pretending. It just won't do on judgment day. It won't do. It won't be enough to say, well, I didn't really decide. Mary, it's time to stop pondering. You know the truth. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? You know why this song is so powerful? Because it's so true. It's so true. And it's so mind-blowing that these things are true. We can't really... This put it, put it into... To, on paper, what we couldn't express in our hearts... Your baby boy will one day walk on water. He will save our sons and daughters. He's come to make you new. And that child that you delivered, he will soon deliver you. <laughs> Mary, did you, did you know that your little baby boy is going to give sight to a blind man? That he'll He'll calm a storm with his hand. Did you know that he's walked where angels trod when you kiss your little baby? You kiss the face of God. Mm. Mary, did you know that He's the Lord of all creation. He will one day rule the nation and He's heaven's perfect Lamb. Mary, did you know that your little child you're holding is the great I Am? But it, it, no. No way. No way God Himself came to this puny, sin-filled, wretched place and became one of us and put his life in the hands of a young teenage mother. There's no way. It just... Matthew one twenty three says, Behold... Well, Matthew's just retexting something that Isaiah texted back in Isaiah 7, thousand years before the birth of Christ. But Matthew retexted, and he said, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, why is that important? Because being translated the name Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. God, one of us. Why would he come here to be a sacrificial lamb? Do you understand that I can't even think or comprehend a scenario. I, I think of like walking into just a huge field in a forest somewhere and seeing an anthill and looking at it and loving those little ants and saying, they're going to die without me. I'm going to become an ant and I'm going to go down there and die for all the other ants. But that doesn't, that doesn't do the story justice. God became one of us. 
He looked down at us. And I'm telling you, there were, we wasn't much to look at. We had already rejected him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We had already told him what we thought of him. But he became one of us. Why? Four letters is the only thing I can think to answer that with. L-O-V-E. It is who He is. And He came to rescue you, my friend. Rescue you from all the trouble you got yourself into, this predicament that you're in. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. There's no hope for you. There's no way. He's try- he come to rescue you from yourself. He came to rescue you from all your mistakes. He came to redeem you. That means he came to buy you back from all the places you sold yourself into slavery. And he bought you back. He came to restore that sense of purpose, that sense of direction, that sense of wanting to make a difference, that sense of wonder about the things of life again. He came to restore you. He wants you to live a life worth living. He wants you to have your heart's desires. He came to resurrect. To bring you out of that tomb. Kaylee, come forth. Come out into the light. Follow me. Come have life. Take off those grave clothes. We'll unwrap you. And we'll bring you, we'll set you free. And you can be with me where I am. So yes, the most important question is, who do you say that Jesus is? And after you say that, maybe even more important is, who is he to you? Who is he to you? You you see, your answer defines your life. It reveals your heart. It reveals your life or your lack thereof. Who do you say that Jesus is? It plots the course of your eternal destiny, you understand. It's the most important question ever asked. 1 John 5, 1. It says, and this is what God has testified. That he, this is what God has testified. Not Pastor Guy. Not that goofball up there. This is what God has testified, that he has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. And we're looking for love in all the wrong places. We think this is going to bring life to me. If I get that house, man, I'm going to have the life that I wanted. And we don't even know. We're little ants crawling around. Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And if you're sitting here today saying, well, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. I don't, I, I, I didn't understand or whatever, whatever you're thinking right now. But you're saying, but I have life. I'm here. This life that you have is but for a moment. It's just like a, you're, you're just running on a charge. Your battery's been charged for 70 or 80 years maybe. 
if you're blessed. But your battery's going to run down. And if you don't make your decision about what this Christmas thing means and who Jesus is in that 80 years, your decision has already been etched in stone. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. You never had real life. You never had Jesus at all. So are you ready for the meaning of life? I've given you the answer to the world's most important question. Not on my authority. Where did it, where did it come from? The Word of God. So see, I don't have to be super intelligent, Mr. Got three PhDs before my name to give you the meaning of life. I know where the meaning of life is found. I know. And if you'll turn to Colossians chapter 1. Researchers have searched the world over. Scientists. Adventurers. A million books have been written. What is the meaning of this? What is this life all about? And the whole time it was sitting on a dusty book on their coffee table. And they looked in all the wrong places. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Wow. You see, he wanted to be tangible. He wanted to be touchable. He wanted to show us his true character. He came to give us an example of how to do it, how to live, how to respond to the haters, how to love. Everything that he is is showing you what God's plan is for your life. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, and he existed before anything was created. So I know some people think that, you know, he was born in that manger. Well, that was when he was born as a human. But my friends, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He has been here before time existed. He is without beginning and without end, my friend. And it says he was created and is supreme over all creation. He, he, let me say that again. He existed before anything was created. He was not created. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him... God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth, and he made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Now, all that's amazing, but this next line is the meaning of life. Cut and dry. It says everything was created through him and for him. That's it. Stops right there. But but we could add that, that no. The meaning of your existence, the meaning of this earth being here with the oceans and the, the mountains and the clouds and the stars in the heavens and all terrestrial beings, celestial beings. Everything was created by him, through him. And it's for Him. And that includes you. I know, I know. We grow up thinking that the, the sun revolves around us. You know, they used to say the sun revolved around the earth. And we think the sun revolves around us, but it doesn't. It was all created through Him. And it was for Him. 
And I say, that's good. I say, that's a beautiful meaning of life. I say that we can just lose ourselves in Christ. And we can make Him number one of our lives. And we can give Him everything. We can trust Him with everything. If He gave His only Son... Will He not freely give us everything else that we need that pertains to life and godliness? I think you can just go whole hog, as we like to say around here, for Jesus. And you can can have no regrets in this life. Because He's the only way to get to the next life. I'm telling you, the deeper you go in Jesus, it says we can't fathom the depths of His love. We can't escape His presence. All things were created through Him and for Him, and I love it. That includes you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.